Welcome to the Topeka First podcast. We are one church with several locations. Our mission is to reach our community with the message of Jesus. If you would like to give to support this podcast and the ministries of our church, please visit topekafirst.com giving. Enjoy the podcast. This morning, uh, we are going to uh, jump into the Word of God and to the book of John and to do a series on the Gospel of John. Uh, we're going to look here in just a minute over in John chapter 6. And um, the question we have to start off with is, what are you chasing after? Uh, what are you going after? All of us have something we're looking to fill us up, and uh, each person is looking for something to feed them. For some, they're pursuing something that makes them feel like that they're a part of something that can impact the world. And others just want something that will make them feel loved. Uh, for some, it could be that special someone. Uh, then there are those who are chasing after fame or even high accomplishments in their life, hoping that sky is the limit for them. But many like to chase after a future career or other things. Maybe some are looking back on their career at this point in life. But if we're going to chase or pursue anything, uh, uh, may it be the one who gave us everything so that we can walk in the light as he is in the light. It's all about the pursuit of God. And uh, all Christian traditions of some sort provide some kinds of forms of worship that, that are designed to feed us, to nurture us, to help us to grow in our faith and our walk with the Lord. And being fed by God is really so simple that in uh, a world that is congested with busyness, it's become hard to understand for us at times. And like the pursuit of joy, the more we run after it with strategies and with plans, the more it seems to be able to flee away from us. And so it's not gained by ministry accomplishments or by righteous efforts or by intellectual understanding of the Bible and those kind of things. But being fed by God requires a change in our thinking, the discovery that God is eager to give life and renewal to anyone who can listen in simplicity. The great thing is the Lord is available to be found by us. And I think all of us at one point or the other have to be able to step back and just listen to God's word, just read God's word for what it is as God's word uh, to us. And I do that, well, sometimes just listen to it and uh, just to listen to it simply. Now, not unlike Jesus' day, people chase after spiritual things. They, they're looking for something, and sometimes they, when they start the chase, they don't always know what they want. And then there are those who think they know what they want, only to find out that they really didn't know, and then God, in the end, surprises them. And it's kind of the way with the disciples, I would have to say. Uh, we saw that also with one of the rebels on the cross last week, and we're starting this series in John, and we're looking together at some of the I am statements that Jesus makes. Uh, and before we jump into John chapter 6 together, uh, our passage, let, let me uh, set a simple stage for you as Jesus has been teaching the crowds on the hillside, and, and I do mean crowds, a lot of people there at that point. At this point, he was likely speaking to about ten to 15,000 people. 
in the open air. We, we uh, kind of get that from the idea of, of feeding the 5,000 of men. And uh, it's not too surprising for the time that they would do that. Remember, the, out in the open air and the pastures are quiet. Uh, growing up on the farm myself, uh, it was easy for us to hear the neighbors. Uh, neighbors a quarter mile, a half a mile away. We could hear them through the, the creek valley and all that. And we could tell what they were saying. So we had to be careful we didn't go outside and yell at each other too loud and give secrets away, right? <laughs> It's just the way it is, right? And so, so we understand the acoustics of that, but that's not really the important part. It's, it's here that Jesus feeds the 5,000 people with five loaves and two fish. It was a miracle. It was the work of God that he did. And not long before this, Jesus also heals a guy at a pool. And he was a lame man. He tells him to pick up his mat and go home and walk around to bed and Kind of ticked off the religious people of the day because they're saying, hey, you know, this, is, this is the Sabbath, why are you doing that now? And then after this, we find uh, Jesus meeting his disciples after he walks on the water, he's crossing across the, uh, the sea there. I guess he decided, hey, let's go a little faster, why go around, why go and jump in a boat when you can walk on the stuff? And he goes across to the other side and he sees them there and the crowds don't seem to notice this miracle, of course, and this is where we come to our text today. Uh, and the, the crowd is pursuing Jesus. Remember, they just got fed by Jesus, and they've seen some other miracles. John chapter 6, verse 25. should be on the screen for you this morning. It says, when they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, you are looking for me, not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. You ate lunch. And do, do not work for food that spoils, but food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. So here's a question I need to pose today for us as we're walking through this passage. Why do you look for Jesus? Why do you look for Jesus? See, now they, they found him and asked, when did you get here? When did you make it here? It's kind of interesting that Jesus doesn't seem to say anything about the miracle of the walking on the water and meeting the disciples. He isn't pushing another miraculous sign for them to hear about. But it really, it really seems here that this miracle was just to boost the faith of his disciples at this point from what we understand. And as big as the miracle, uh, as big as the miracles of Jesus uh, and his people have been over the years, they are still not the main point. Uh, but that's, that's why we have to consider why do you look at Jesus? Now, it's not wrong to ask God for a miracle in our lives. And, they didn't even look for Jesus because of his miracles. In some sense, it would have been very hard to deny Jesus' miracles. In fact, the religious leaders didn't usually deny that a miracle was performed, but they usually tried to explain it away, maybe as the devil. Or when, when it came to Lazarus, they couldn't explain that one away. He's raised up from the dead. The guy's been dead in the grave for some days now. He, he even stinketh, as the King James says. He smells. And Jesus comes along the way, raises this guy up from the grave, and uh, now uh, they're, they're still, in fact, later on in the book of John, it says that those guys tried, wanted to kill Lazarus besides Jesus, because that was an outstanding miracle that was still going on. 
So why? Because they were pursuing more about their status, more about their influence than real spiritual things. They were more concerned about their own agendas. They were more focused on their personal gain. And for us as followers of Jesus, we have to make sure that we're not following Jesus just for that purpose. But Jesus says about this crowd that uh, found him, he says, you didn't look for me because of the signs or the miracles. Miracle is that supernatural token or of God's presence, or that manifestation of God's presence. And they looked for Jesus because their stomachs were filled by the bread and the fish. They got dinner. Now from John chapter 6 verse 59, it kind of gives us an understanding that these, this crowd probably caught up with him when they were at the, at the synagogue by this point. So he may have been, several scholars agree with that, and they, would, they may say that they're meeting him at the, at the synagogue there. But they searched for Jesus because he fed them. Did you ever start searching for Jesus uh, because you needed a miracle? Many do. There's nothing wrong with that. And I've looked to him for that as well, and we should be able to do that. But yet, miracles can be a temporary thing. And, and even Lazarus, who, was, who Jesus raised, died at some point. But there has to be a point that we look to Jesus for what really matters, which is eternal and I'm not uh, saying miracles are not valuable. They are, especially when you need one, right? Just like the woman with the issue of blood, uh, she who, who desperately searched for Jesus and grabbed a hold of the edge of his jacket or coat, and, and her life was changed. Her life was transformed as she was healed and restored. But we have to look for eternal things, not just the temporary Things And Jesus told them in verse 27 there, he says, Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. Too often we have this pursuit of temporary bread, and there are all kinds of perceived needs in our world today, and we try to satisfy our hunger for those things. Uh, and we all have uh, many perceived needs in our days. I remember there was a day when uh, we, didn't need, we didn't have a cell phone, right? When we would, say you would break down on the road and you would go to, uh, the only way you're going to make a call is if you go back home to the house and pull up that little hand thing, that, that thing you don't even know what it's made of. It's kind of like a plastic and you pull it off the wall. Have those little dials. Some of you guys remember that. Some of you have no idea what that thing is and you turn that dial and if you started with zero, wow, it takes a long time for that thing to come back. And uh, so you had, you had to go make a telephone call. For others, it's just the push button, right? And I remember times when I was on the farm, at my dad's farm, and one time when I didn't listen to him very well as a youth, and he said, put fuel in the tractor. And I thought, well, I can make it there, and I'm driving across, you know, the farmland and, and the back roads where there's no, nothing but dirt and whatever, and uh, lions and tigers and bears. But no, not, not here in Kansas. Uh, but um, driving along, and the tractor runs out of fuel. So no, no cell phones, I couldn't pull that out of my pocket and start calling anybody. They wouldn't have been home anyway, it wouldn't have mattered, right? And so uh, they didn't have a cell phone. So we, we kind of got to the place nowadays, nowadays in our lives where we, 
this is a necessity. We feel like we have to have this. It's a perceived need for us that we have these little devices. Always looking for something. We have these modern things, but um, if you're going to grow in your life and faith, you have to look past just your basic needs, those things that we feel like that are necessary for us. And when you trust in God, He can meet those needs in, in His time and in His way. But it's more than our pursuit for bread. Do you grapple with who Jesus is and your role in his life? Do you ever grapple with that? Do you ever uh, wrestle with that, frustrated with that, trying to work that out? Look at verse 28 here. And uh, then they ask him, what must we do to do the works God requires? Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. So they asked him, what sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, as it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, very truly, I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. So what must we do to do the works that God requires? Uh, That's their question. This implies their desire and their sense of self-sufficiency. And the people seemed to be sure that if they, if they wanted to, they were able of, uh, or capable of doing the works of God. But in this gospel, works uh, refers to those acts that d- distinguish the abilities of a person. And here it refers to the works, uh, works God requires of those who please Him. And to this crowd, obtaining eternal life consisted in finding the right formula for performing works to please God, but what did Jesus direct them to? The gift of God that could be obtained by faith in Him. And here's a, this, here is a, uh, this is a similar to the conversation with the Samaritan woman we find over in the book of John as well. And Jesus says to her, if you knew the gift of God. Jesus directly contradicted the idea that their works could gain them salvation. Humanity will fight and fight time and time again trying to make sure that they can get into heaven by their own ways and it won't work. Jesus says this is the work of God, believe in Christ, period. It's just the way to put our faith in him, period. Trust in him, period. Uh, This doesn't mean that we can live without morals. It does not mean that Jesus nor the apostles, would they would not say that. Uh, And when we believe in Christ, it should end up changing how we live, and it will impact others around us when we truly believe in Him and put our faith in Him. The way you know that you believe something is that you actually act on what you believe. It's kind of like shampoo, right? Have you ever used that? I hope so. Uh, but, but, you know, uh, that shampoo, the thing about it is you use it because you believe it's going to help clean your hair, right? You use that, you wash your hair out, you're all good to go. Uh, but it's something that we don't really think about. 
Other things is when we came in here, you, you looked at a chair, you saw that chair, you said, hey, that may be comfortable. You sat down because you trusted that that chair was going to hold you up, that you were going to be okay. Uh, it's just the way it is. We don't really think about that kind of stuff, but, but that's the way it is. Maybe you, maybe you got another shirt. You tried the shirt on because you thought, hey, it may look good on you or it may work. It may fit you or whatever. And so it starts with faith and ends with faith, and our trust in God starts with faith and it ends with faith. Now let's move on to this next question here. What sign will you give? Why do they ask for a sign? They say, so we can believe in you? How could they ask for a sign when they just had one, uh, one in the miraculous feeding of the 5,000 people? And after this miracle, they could hardly be restrained from making him king. And uh, they followed him from one side of the lake to the other. And uh, in proposing to make him king, it was for something different than giving the world the bread of eternal life. Remember, they didn't always get it. Sometimes we don't always get it either. Then they started talking about Moses who gave Israel manna, that miracle, what is it food, you know, and, and that sustained the people of God in the desert for some years and, and when they came out of Egyptian slavery, when they were pulled out and, and the crowd was evaluating Jesus, it seems to be by the ministry of Moses. Moses, who had provided food in the middle of nowhere for a bunch of people. In fact, the crowd goes on to say over in verse 31, Our ancestors did eat manna. They seem to be suggesting that Jesus' miracle of feeding the 5,000 is inferior to Moses, his miracle of the manna. So when Moses fed the fathers, he gave them bread from heaven to eat, not for a few thousand like Jesus, but for millions, probably two, three million. And not only one time, but daily throughout their wilderness journey, maybe they were saying, give us a bigger sign. I don't know. Give us a bigger sign, Lord. But, but it really may be that they were trying to wrap their heads around what Jesus has done around this miracle of feeding the 5,000. It may be that they wanted an interpretation of the feeding that, was that had just occurred because it reminds them of what happened through Moses. Look at verse 31 again there. He says, Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Now, some Jewish people viewed Moses as a king, even though he was a prophet. We understand. Remember, he had a political side in some sense because he's pulling the people of Israel out of Egyptian slavery and they are becoming a nation. Well, they really are already a nation uh, in the sense of ethnic. And so now they're coming out of that. And uh, so they're seeing him as a king. What about Jesus? In verse 31, it would seem that the crowd's way of uh, seeking confirmation from Jesus that their interpretation of the miracle was correct. They may be suggesting that Jesus allow them to get on with the coronation. Let's make him king now. One way or the other, that wasn't God's plan. That wasn't God's plan. It wasn't God's desire, and politics wasn't God's agenda. It doesn't mean it wasn't important. It doesn't mean those things are useless. What it means is that his plans are bigger and far more reaching than any king, president, agenda, organization, or leader. 
The problem is that we focus so much on the here and now that we totally lose focus on eternal things. We become so we become we we become so earthly focused that we are no heavenly good. For some of you, you know what I'm saying. It used to be the opposite way. So earthly focused that we're no heavenly good. People they're all always focusing always focusing on what they want or what they can see like a sign and and if we would focus ourselves on faith in Christ it would change how we live so drastically that it would really affect those around us what are we pursuing what are we looking at what are we focusing on who are we focusing on too often we get it backward we're thinking about our own agendas instead of God's. And really, if we think about Him and if we focus on Him, then we can, we can expect that He will take care of those things or give us some direction in those things. But we need to focus on Him and allow Him to work in our lives and even through our lives. It happened to Jesus. It happened to the crowds and to the religious leaders. Too often we get it backwards. Even happens to us, doesn't it? We can get it backwards sometimes. Have you ever focused on something? You were, you were focusing on it, trying to do something so well that you messed everything up when you were trying to accomplish it. Have you ever painted? Maybe you were trying to paint in a room, and in that room you were trying to make sure you got every corner, every little part of the wall around all the trim and all those things, and, and you have a roller, you're using one of those rollers with the pan, and in the pan you got you filled it up with paint, you know, it's just up to the brim, and, and you're focusing, and you even take out the little brush and dip it in there, and you're getting every little spot, and before you know it, you're focusing so hard you step in the pan. <laughs> And then the paint goes everywhere, gets on, your, gets on your trim that's like stained, and now it is stained with paint. Sometimes we do that. <laughs> Sometimes we do that in a spiritual sense. Sometimes we, we focus on so many other things, and, and, we, and we mess that up. And I'm concerned that this is what happens to us too much of the time. We become so concerned with the task at hand that we make a mess of life. Like this crowd, they were worried about the sign Jesus gave them of feeding the 5,000. Maybe they wanted some confirmation or understanding. I don't know, but ultimately we do know this. Out of Matthew chapter 12, it says this. Jesus uh, basically says the sign of Jonah is going to prove him. Matthew 12 verse 39 says this. He answered, a wicked and adulterous generation asks for a sign, but none will be given it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. We just celebrated him coming out of that, didn't we? But Jesus hasn't provided that miracle for them yet. He hasn't done that for them yet because he hasn't yet given his life at this point. And so what he does is he talks to them about something else. True bread. You see there in that passage, he says your, your ancestors, they, they ate a miracle, but it was just a picture of the real thing. We find that in the Old Testament tends to be pointing towards Christ, points towards salvation, towards the true redemption that will take place through the blood of Christ on the cross. 
And, and we see that Jesus said in verse 32, Very tr truly I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. See, Moses gave you bread, but the Father gave him true bread, and that's in Christ. He's saying Moses gave you some bread. Sure, it was a miracle of God. Yeah, it was a miracle. But there's more than just natural bread that's going to mold in the bread box, right? There's more to it than that. And our, our problems are that we focus on, on what we can, uh, that we focus on what we can see all the time. We focus on what's in the bread box. We're looking at those kind of things. But, but to step back and ask ourselves, what are we pursuing? What are we pursuing? The third thing here is that Jesus Christ is Jesus Christ more than a religious figure to you? We must ask that. Is Christ more than just a religious figure to you? Look at verse 35 with me here. It says, Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me, and still you do not believe. All those the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me... I will never drive away, for I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me, but raise them up at the last day. Or verse 39, and this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all those he has given me, but will raise them up at the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life and i will raise them up at the last day he says again is jesus more than just self-actualization to you i know it's a big word let's look at it this way is he more than someone who helps you become a better person is he more than forgive me for this word but this is common is he more than just a guru who can help you fulfill your personal dreams? I hope that he is. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Jesus brings the parallel, parallel here by saying, I am, as, as it is with Moses in the burning bush where God reveals himself as I am. He's at, he is at one with God the Father, and we all have agendas. We all do. And that can cause us to focus on some wrong things in our lives as we live. But we have to be able to learn to focus on the true life-giving bread. And that's not in our bread box. It's not in our house. It's not the place we live. It's not our ideologies of this world outside of faith in Christ. But faith in Christ will keep you full and satisfied. If you look at the last part of verse 35 there, he says, whoever comes to me will never go hungry. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. I have to say that we won't be disappointed when we put our faith in Christ. The problem is, as many times we put our faith in other things put our faith in, the, in our surroundings, we put our faith in what we have, what we don't have, we put our faith in our ideas, we put our faith in this or that, we put our faith in another person, and that other person will always fail, we put our faith in so many things, but what we need to do 
is put our trust and our faith in Christ. And we have to remember, like I said earlier, that it starts with faith and it ends with faith. We don't just start with hope. We start with faith and we end in faith, trusting in Christ. To really be satisfied, we need to be able to focus on Him, the living bread who leads us into eternal life. It's then that we can recognize the hope that he gives to us. That's in verse 39 and 40. That he will raise them up at the last day. I look forward to that, friend. I hope you look forward to that. I'm afraid that today many people have forgot about that part. And they're looking at everything else. But God has a plan for us. We have eternal things that we're living for. And when we, get, when we get the idea that if we live for eternal things, if we live for the Lord, that he'll wrap these other things up for us. He'll take care of those for us, but we have to be able to focus on him. Doesn't mean life is going to be perfect. Life isn't always perfect. But what we know is he is, and we need to focus on the one who can save our lives. Would you stand with me this morning? What are you pursuing today? What are you pursuing today? What are you looking for? If you're currently a follower of Christ, and this question is for you as well, it's for each and every one of us. What are you looking for? Are you chasing after your own personal dreams? There's nothing wrong with having dreams. But, but if you are, God has a better plan for you than just dreams. Are you pursuing Him? Because when you pursue him, you will have everything you need. Are you pursuing natural bread, that temporary stuff? It molds. It doesn't last. It goes bad. Or are you pursuing the form of religious bread? It looks like godliness, but really you haven't surrendered to Christ as Lord. Or are you honestly pursuing the bread of life? Who will not disappoint you in the are you so earthly focused that you know heavenly good? I want to pray for you this morning. We're going to have uh, prayer teams that are come, going to come down. And if you need prayer, we'd love for you to pray with you this morning. But I want to pray for you. And I want you to be able to focus on the Lord and ask him, am I running after you, Lord? I'll ask him that question honestly Father, we pray this morning that you would help us as we look to you. Father, we understand that we need you more than anything, and we also understand that if we are willing to look to you in faith and in trust, that you will work in our lives and you will transform our lives. Father, I pray for each person in this place. Father God, who some there are some that are they're probably running they're probably they're probably going for things other than what you desire for them they're 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 missing the bread of life because they're looking for the natural bread that comes their way and and and, and it'll disappoint them but father i i pray that you would help them to look to the living bread there's some that may have been running for that old natural bread and they hit the wall they realize now that that's not what they need they need you Father, I pray for them as well. Father, I pray also for those who don't even notice that that's what they're running for, is just the natural bread. I pray that you would work in each one of our hearts, Lord. Help 
us to focus our hearts, our minds, our lives on you so that you can do in our lives what you desire. Lord, that we may get to the place to be like what Jesus was when he said, not my will, Father, but yours be done. 